Luke chapter 2, we're going to look at a Christmas message today. I've got uh, today and uh, one more Sunday, we'll look at Christmas. And then we'll launch into um, something new in January. Uh, pray with me about it. I'm praying about I, I thought, well, I shouldn't mention this, but I, I'll go ahead and, and do it. Praying about two different ideas for um, a new series in January. One is the book of James, which I want to get into James, alright? And uh, the other is the book of Judges. Uh, looking at the Judges in the Old Testament. So, I'll probably do one, then do the other. So, uh, uh, looking forward to both of those. Luke chapter 2. The Christmas Preachers. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20 begins the story of the shepherds. Uh, Eugene Peterson calls them the sheep herders. And uh, they were the guys out there in the field that were nobodies. Uh, they were the low life of society. One of the things I love about Christmas is the singing of Christmas carols. I'm not sure I'm the best caroler, but I love Christmas carols. Think about Silent Night. O come all ye faithful. Angels we have heard on high. All those are wonderful carols. However, there is a declining today in the singing of those old-fashioned well-tested, well-worn carols. I remember when I was a kid, we'd go out caroling. We don't do that anymore. We tell them now, just find it on your phone. It'll be on your, you know, iTunes or Pandora or uh, Spotify, any of those, just play it on your phone. But I miss the old-fashioned caroling where they'd invite you in for some hot chocolate, you know, and some good fellowship. I was reading about the top 25 holiday songs. And uh, you can search this on Google, but the top 25 holiday songs, only one was a religious song. Only one. And it came in at number eight. And it was... Drum roll, little drummer boy. The only one. Now, Madonna made the top 25 with Santa Baby. What a difference between now and then. What a difference 2,000 years makes. The Bible declares the angels sang at the birth of Jesus. So look here in your Bible, Luke chapter 2. Let me read verses 8 through 20. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of, of great joy 
which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom He is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as He lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as had been told them. Well, there's the story about the shepherds. But what I find about the shepherds is that they became preachers of the Gospel. Now, if you look in verse 14 and verse 17, verse 14, you find the message, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom He is pleased. And then in verse 17, when they had seen this, they made known. Now think about that statement. They made known. They began to tell the story of the birth of Messiah. It's one thing to come and see, but they also went and told. They were preachers of the Gospel. And I contend they might have been the first preachers of the Gospel. I want you to look in Romans chapter 1. Look at Romans 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Look at Romans 1, 16. Barry, you got that? Go ahead. I am not ashamed of the Gospel. Yeah, these shepherds knew that there was power and authority in the Gospel. Now the Gospel is the good news. It is good news that God can save a lost sinner. God can pour His Holy Spirit into him. And God can take that person from earth into heaven one day. That is wonderful and good news. And these sheep herders were the first to proclaim that message. Now, we can learn three wonderful truths from these first shepherds. Alright, first of all, the revelation of good news invites our wonder. Invites our wonder. We have heard the story so much. Sometimes we're kind of numb to it. You know, every year Christmas comes around. 
December 25th. Someone called and said, when's Christmas this year? Well, it's December 25th. It's the same time every year. Rolls around. And children get excited about what they're going to get as far as a gift. I remember when I was a child, we used to get a catalog. The Spiegel catalog. My mom, man, I look forward to it. Boy, there'd be the Christmas catalog that would come in the mail. I would lay in the floor and I'd say, I want that, I want that, I want that. My mom said, you're having so much fun with the catalog, we're just going to give you a catalog next year. <laughs> but you know, children have a way of keeping Christmas alive and fresh and exciting. And sometimes we need some of that to, to rub off on us. I, um, I had one sister, I have one sister, and uh, when we grew up, um, I'd say to Cheryl, you find out what I'm getting, and I'll find out what you're getting, and then we'll trade information. So, I got up one Christmas day, and I walked in there and, and opened up my gifts, and there was one gift missing that Cheryl told me I was getting. <laughs> So I looked around, looked around, and I said, where's my G.I. Joe? <laughs> my mom said, how did you know you're getting a G.I. Joe? I said, she told me so. <laughs> but, but you know, Christmas ought to inspire our wonder. There ought to be a, a wonder about it. Well, God delights in surprising us. <coughs> Aren't you glad for God's surprises? I'm glad at times God just shows up in a mighty way and God gets my attention. God does something and it surprises me. You know, it, it surprised me back years and years and years ago talking about marriage. When Pam showed up at church I was pastoring on a Wednesday night, that surprised me. I said, Lord, that is a good looking woman. That surprised me. But God, in His way, shows up and surprises us. Now, verses 8 through 10 talks about these shepherds being out in the field. Uh, they were possibly taking care of sheep that would be temple sacrifices. Perhaps some of those same sheep were destined to go to Jerusalem to be a sacrifice. And then neither God said, you're going to leave those sheep and you're going to find another sheep, the Lamb of God. And so, the angels, they were brought this good news. Look at verse number 10. But the angels said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Now, the angel said, don't be afraid. The sky, the darkness of the sky is lit up with the glory of God. Angels are there in the sky. They're singing. And the angel says, don't be afraid. I'd, I'd say too late. 
I'm scared to death. John Wycliffe says in his commentary about verse number 10, it ought to be translated, I evangelize you with great joy. I love that quote. I evangelize you with great joy. Now, notice there in verse number 10, it's good news of great joy. Now, I just want to tear off here and, and, and tell you this. Every child of God ought to have great joy in their life because of what Christ has done. Your heart may belong to Jesus, but your face ought to show it. You ought to have that joy, joy, joy deep in your heart. You ought to have that joy. I mean, I've seen Baptists, they look like they were baptized in pickle juice. <laughs> They went down saved, they came up sour. I mean, I've seen it. There ought to be a joy. I evangelize you with joy. If God took the outward expression of some Christians and said, this is the poster child for faith, no one would want to be saved. Man, there ought to be a joy and excitement in our life. Well, also God delights in saving us. Verses 11 through 12 says, the child would be born in the city of David. What city was that? Bethlehem, alright? Bethlehem, the city of David. David's lineage. Bethlehem. Even today there's war and conflict there in that ancient city. When I went to Israel, there was so much fighting in Bethlehem, I couldn't go there. Syrians, Palestinians, they were fighting there in Bethlehem. I didn't get to go. But I was thinking about this. Jesus is the bread of life. Do you know what the word Bethlehem means? House of bread. House of bread. Oh, you tell me God didn't have that worked out. That the bread of life would be born in the house of bread. Warren Wearsby said it was the ideal place for the bread of life. Now the announcement was a Savior has been born, Christ the Lord. Verse number 11. It says this Savior who would be Christ the Lord. Oh, they'd wait a long time, hadn't they? All the prophecies in the Old Testament, all the prophets, they had waited and yearned for this Messiah. 400 silent years between Malachi and Matthew. They had yearned for this Messiah to come. And then He shows up. The word Christ, Lord, was the word for Caesar. And notice back in verse number 1, chapter 2, verse 1. Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. You know what the angels were saying? They were saying, hey, there's a new Caesar. There's a new Lord. And He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the one born in Bethlehem. Well, God also delights in satisfying us. 
verses 13 and 14. Verse 13. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying... Well, let me stop right there and tell you. How many is in a host? <coughs> a lot. You know, most of our Christmas theology comes from a Hallmark card. Let me illustrate that. How many wise men were there? Oh, we don't know. It just says the wise men came. The Magi. What did they ride to get to Bethlehem? Well, it doesn't say that in the Bible. It's amazing how much we get from Christmas cards from Hallmark and it's not really in the Bible. We just say, well, yeah, maybe that's right. But perhaps there were a hundred wise men and perhaps they didn't ride camels, they rode Arabian stallions. That's what I like. They'd say, well, you can ride a camel or you can ride this Arabian stallion. I'd say, I'll take the horse, alright? Anybody ever been on a camel? They are nasty animals. I know it. Surely they spit too. They, they spit at you. They do. They, and they snarl. Have you ever seen the teeth on a camel? Are you thinking, if that thing ever bit you, man, you'd be a goner, alright? That's right. Oh, they are. They're, they're nasty creatures. They'll kill you. Alright? <laughs> Stay away from them. But anyway, God satisfied the people of Israel by fulfilling the prophecy. Charles Wesley and George Whitfield, I think about them as great evangelists. Also helping with the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. There is power in the revelation of the good news. It invites our wonder. Listen to me. Never lose the wonder. Never lose the thrill of reading the Christmas story. Be a child forever. I remember a movie years ago called Hook. About Robin Williams playing Peter Pan. Hook. And uh, I remember one of the things they asked him to do when he went to the land of Peter Pan, he had to get rid of his cell phone, he had to get rid of his baggage from his business, he had to get rid of all this stuff and become a child again. The problem with Christmas is that too many of us have just grown up. I, I, I saw something the other day on Natalie's computer. Natalie, my secretary, had pictures of Emmy Rose dressed up and doing a play, a drama, just for Natalie and Allen, where she was doing the Christmas story. I mean, man, she had something on her head and she had a little you know, gown on and she was just so excited. She had an audience there children know how. Remember Kendra doing that. Children know how to celebrate Christmas. Never lose the wonder. Alright, I've got to move on. Number two. There is a proclamation of good news that inspires our witness. Inspires our witness. Now, 
Being a witness involves seeing. Involves seeing. Have you ever been a witness to something where you were called to give a testimony? Now, yeah, see some hands going up. Lawyers are real good about trying to get credible witnesses. And they will rehearse and you'll go over your testimony just to make sure you haven't left anything out. You got it just exactly right. I remember one time I was at uh, Firehouse Subs in Lexington. Well, don't you like the hook and ladder? <laughs> I'm hungry right now. Go to Firehouse and get a hook and ladder sub. Boy, it's really good. But anyway, I was there with some friends and um, a policeman came in. He said, anyone driving a dark gray Accord? I said, yeah, I am. He said, well, someone just hit your car and ran. And I thought, oh no. So I walked out there and sure enough, there's a place on my bumper where a guy hit it. Ended up the guy was drunk. And so they found him and uh, arrested him. And, and then, you know, you got to go to court. And they said, uh, well, you cannot go to court. And if you don't go to court, then the lawyer will come in there and look and see if you're there or not. And if you're not there, he'll just try to get the case dismissed. I said, I got news for you. <laughs> I'm showing up. <laughs> so I showed up, and sure enough, the lawyer came into that room, and he looked around, saw me, and went right out real quick. Of course, then they had some plea bargain worked out and everything. And then they said this. They said, you can go ahead and go if you want to. Or you can go down to the courtroom, and you can hear the judge give the sentence. I said, man, I've gone to all this trouble. I'm going to the courtroom. I mean, I'm paying for the party, so I'm going down there, alright? So I went down there, and sure enough, I looked at that guy, that guy looked at me, and they were reading my account, my witness account. You know what I thought? I wanted to say, I hope that lawyer cost you a whole bunch of money. <laughs> I hope that you're paying for this. And I hope that you'll turn your life around. I mean, I wanted to preach to him. Because quite obviously, he was drinking and was driving under the influence. And I thought to myself, he hit a car, but guess what? He could have hit a child. Or he could have hit a person. But I want to tell you, a witness has got to be credible. Now, verse 15. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Notice the words there, straight to Bethlehem. Satan has a way of detouring us. Sometimes when God says, go and do this or that, we'll say, yeah Lord, I'll do it tomorrow. Or I'll do it next week. The Bible says, they went straight to Bethlehem. There was an excitement. Now I know you wouldn't do this. But let's just say that you won the lottery. I've often thought about, you know, if a Baptist preacher just walked into a Murphy's or wherever and bought a ticket and 
it'd be just their misfortune to win that thing. <laughs> and then they couldn't tell anybody. <laughs> Can you imagine winning a lottery and not telling anybody? It's like the preacher that skipped church on Sunday morning and went and played golf and he got a hole in one. <laughs> but he couldn't tell anyone. <laughs> oh, can you imagine having such good news and not being able to share it? Witnesses need to see and to share. The message, paraphrase Bible, uh, says in verse, uh, verse number 17 and 18, the message Bible says, they left running and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Seeing was believing. They told everyone they met what the angels had said about this child. All who heard the sheep herders were impressed. Oh, they went running. Oh, so excited they went running. Danny Aiken says, all should be confronted by Him. These sheep herders, they got a pulpit and began to preach. They were sharing the Word. Well, also a witness involves savoring. I think this is interesting. Um, if you look down here to verse number 18. Verse 18 and 19. All, and all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. And notice this word in verse 19, but Mary treasured. One translation says, pondered all these things, pondering them in her heart. Um, she treasured. Now, what that means is that in the heart of Mary... She contemplated what all this meant. Now fast forward with me. There's a wedding. Mary becomes the wedding director. There's a disaster. They run out of wine. Mary had treasured in her heart about this boy that she'd raised. And so she comes to Jesus, her boy, and says, hey, we're out of wine. Jesus says, what does that have to do with me? In John chapter 2, Jesus tells the waiters about pouring the water back and forth in these pitchers. And He turned the water to wine. Who knew that He could do that? Mary did. Mary did. The reason why is because at the very beginning of the life of Jesus, she began treasuring things in her heart. I want to tell you, if you're a mom or dad, you treasure things about your children in your heart. You do. I mean, there are times when you have great pride, you've got great joy about your children. And if that's true about a child, how much more about a grandchild? Man, grandchildren can't do anything wrong. If they do something wrong, it's because of the parents. That's whose, whose fault it is. 
I remember one time being my mom and dad's kinder did something wrong, and so I was going to go into the bathroom and get it straightened out with her. And my mom said, now, don't you spank her. And I told my mom, how many times did you spank me? Once every day and twice on Sunday. I mean, I got it all the time. My mom said, yeah, but this is... I know it's the grandchild. I understand. Listen to me. You need to treasure and ponder the things of God in your heart so that you can share them with people. When God shows up and does something mighty, when God does a miracle in your life, don't you keep it to yourself. Now, talking about children, Lynn Stogner up there was sharing with me, son preaching today, right? And, you know, such pride in him preaching today. And every parent knows what it's like to treasure things in your heart. i got to move on. Third and last. Alright, third and last. Here we go. There's a celebration of good news that includes our worship. Boy, look at verse number 20. Verse 20. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Boy, they, they began to worship. They had a new song. They had a new message. They were glorifying the Lord. Let me mention two things about that. One is you've got to glorify the Lord where you live. Where you live. The message, again, translation says in verse 20, the sheep herders returned and let loose glorifying and praising God for everything they had heard and seen. It turned out exactly the way they'd been told. They let loose. Man, I know what that means. It means when they were singing, boy, they were just singing to the tops of their voices. They let loose in worship. Out there in Slap Out, Oklahoma, Tallahena, Oklahoma, they would say you're having a fit, alright? They'd have a spiritual fit. They let loose. Number two, praise God for what you have. What they had was the message, the proclamation that this child was going to save the world. He, he would be a savior. And so they let loose and praised God. Celebration of Christmas has to include worship. I encourage you to come tonight. Boy, what a neat time to have communion around Christmas. Not only to think about the birth of Jesus, but to think about the death of Christ and to link those two together. I love it when you drive down the road, sometimes you'll see a nativity scene and they'll have a cross maybe in the background of that nativity scene. The first Christmas evangelists or preachers were the shepherds. I was uh, thinking about this at Christmas time. I'll close with this, conclude with this. African Americans are great singers when it comes to their spirituals. Someone said that the only freedom 
that a slave ever had was the freedom to sing. And no one could take that freedom away. And some of the spirituals that we sing were birthed, were given birth on the plantations and in the fields. You think about songs like Amazing Grace. And you can almost picture in your mind those wonderful people singing that as they were working fields. Amazing grace. And you can just picture that in your mind. Let me give you a Christmas one. Go tell it on the mountain. Over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. While the shepherds kept their watching, or silent flocks by night, behold, throughout the heavens, there shone a holy light. Man, I encourage you to be a preacher, be a proclaimer of the Christmas story. Never lose the wonder, the excitement of the Savior being born in Bethlehem. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word today. Lord, I pray for the wonder. I pray, God, for the witness. I pray, God, for the worship of Jesus during this time of the year. Lord, You you describe the power of faith by being a childlike faith. If that's true for salvation, it's also true for a witness. God, the excitement a child would have in opening up a gift, the excitement a child would have by just looking at a catalog. God, give us that kind of excitement as we talk about the birth of Jesus. And Lord, uh, may we be faithful witnesses this week. God, give us open doors. God, give us divine appointments to share our faith. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.